Welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast, brought to you by L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged, 707 Walnut in Philly, always at llpavorsky.com. I am Spike Eskin, along with a fella who is not going to play this season, so we're going to trade him for two second-round picks. That is Liberty Ballers' own Mike Levin. That's a good deal. Yeah, good deal. Not a bad deal. He's not going to play this no. this year. You're right. So the uh, podcast is available on iTunes. Mike Levin, also a guy who has not left his five-star review for us on iTunes yet, which is really hurting our march towards 1,000 uh, <laughs> ratings. We're at 421. So we'd love Did, to get have you, left a, have you left a five-star review for us? I've tried to leave more than one, but it doesn't let you do it. So, yes, I have. Absolutely. I Look, man, if mm-hmm. there was an MVP vote, I would vote for myself every time. I have no shame. Yes, yeah. I've left a five-star I'm, I guess I'm still judging the podcast if we're, if we're – <laughs> I haven't quite gotten there yet. Maybe the five-year mark will be able to figure it out. Yeah, that sounds right. One star for each year. Yep. Other than I don't know how to do it. So iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, and tune in. The Lottery Party, May 16th, our uh, our show of resistance and maybe, you know, I was talking, I went to the game with Mr. Max Rappaport last night and uh, I was saying how, and we'll get into this in a little bit, how it sort of feels like that the Noel trade was like the really the nail in the coffin of the process to, for me. Um, like this feels like we're we're really transitioning into a you know it happened when Hinky left, but it it feels more that way with Noel gone. And I see this lottery party as sort of our our um, our final salute to the process, like last stand, last stand kind of thing. Yeah, like our last stand, like the this is our team, you know, middle fingers in the air sort of thing. And I think it'll be even bigger. But I was thinking, and I'll run this by you. What we've been talking for a while. We've told Max that he should start a podcast, still too lazy to do it. We've told uh, Derek that he should continue his podcast, still he's only done the one Sixers beat. What if at the lottery party, like to kick off the lottery party, to help them start their podcast or whatever, we did like sort of a massive on the stage, huge group podcast, like with all of us together, like a giant round table. Could be cool. Yeah. And could, I could, fe- be, could be nonsense. Could be cool. Yeah. Well, it'll be nonsense. But I feel like at Xfinity Live, it'll be better than what we tried at Buffalo Wild Wings with the one speaker yeah. and the screen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I'm thinking a bunch of stools, you know? I just, I want to sit on a stage with a bunch of stools, I'm thinking. So, anyway. <laughs> stools, and tool- stools and tools. Stools and tools, right. So, the last stand, the, uh, the lottery party is May 16th at Xfinity Live. And that is. Confirmed. Uh, later on in the podcast, we will have Dr. Mark Legere, 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 that's how I say it, who, uh, who actually wrote something on, Embiid, on Philly.com on Embiid's foot when he first got the surgery or second got the surgery. And, uh, and he will come on to talk about uh, Ben Simmons's foot 
and the uh, the lack of healing and uh, Joel Embiid's knee, which continues to swell, yet he continues to practice uh, full practice all the time for some strange reason. So, uh, so we'll talk to him about that a little later. So here's what we have to talk about. Obviously, we have to talk about, at least in part, last night's win, which was... Every- all the bad stuff. All the bad stuff we have to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the 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 Brian Colangelo press conference, obviously. The fact that Ben Simmons isn't going to play, obviously. Um, and I had a uh, an alternate reality theory that I wanted to run past you. Um, that sure. I think is is not alternate reality, but a you know a reality that maybe we have not considered that I was considering this morning on my run. So, what do you want to start with? Um, so you're usually, so you were right about, we both were right about something. Yes. And you're usually, as much as I don't want to give you credit for anything ever, you're usually right about this kind of stuff. Tea leaves man. Yes. Is usually, is usually on top of this. I, I will say it, but I was right about Ben Simmons being out for the year from the very second it happened. I was like, he's not playing. They're not going to play him. There's going to be some setback, something. I don't know if it's a tea leaf or just like a prognosticating guessing thing but it just never felt like it never felt right to me that hey it's late february or it's early march let's 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 work our rookie into the system now just never felt like it was going to happen it seemed like and and the fact that now it's five years of uh, a big man missing the entire season it just felt i don't know maybe maybe i'm just trained that way but yeah it never felt like he was going to play. Right. And I will tell you that they will never know whether he was going to play. Right. Like we'll never know. You were certainly right. What we'll never know. And this is what makes it interesting. And one of the things I wanted to run by the doctor we will never know if the plan, because I will say that the Sixers um, were, were, were behind the scenes we're telling people pretty regularly that they planned for him to play in the middle of January. That's what they planned. Maybe he would But there was be... also the stuff about his agent not right, wanting right, right. him to play. Like there's well, those out there too. Well, right, right, right. I'm 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 getting there. I'm getting there. Right, I, I, right. what my question is 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 what we'll never know, right? What actually happened. So whether the plan was for that to happen and the bone didn't heal right. Like maybe everything is exactly as we see it, right? The the it didn't heal, blah blah blah. But but you have to imagine on some level that there is more to it than that. And only because one of the strangest things about this is if if the if the CAT scan on in January showed that it wasn't healed all the way, right? And um because he did stop playing basketball at that point. Then, um, then A, why was he, why did they say he was okay? B, why did he start playing basketball on January 10th if he hadn't had a clean scan yet, right? Like what, what happened? That, that is my, now maybe the whole thing is he was never going to play and they have totally bungled the messaging on it, which is also totally possible. And I hearken back to a certain line in a certain, uh, Sam Hinkie farewell letter, about separating the good people of the Delaware Valley from their wallets, you know, and <laughs> whether whether the illusion that he was going to play was calculated, which, by the way, I, I would not blame Brian Colangelo for because I I legitimately believe that he 
He doesn't care whether – of course he wants them to sell all the tickets, but that's not his job. His That's not what he cares about the most, I don't think, at all. So that would have to come from somewhere else. Like let's make – just like – it was funny. In the press conference, he said that he regretted saying that Embiid was day-to-day. And that doesn't seem like a basketball operations thing to do, say the guy's day-to-day if he's not really day-to-day. And you sort of wonder – I guess I'm sorry. This is a long way of saying – I. I wonder what really happened, and we'll never know. You know who we haven't heard from in a while? Which you just reminded me, I thought of it yesterday. Mr. Separate Them From Their Wallets Himself, Scott O'Neill. Where yeah. the fuck's that guy? Where the fuck's that guy been? Well, I mean, I guess to their credit, I, I think we can all agree that his, um, even though I think he's good at talking in public generally, um, that his visibility as neither the guy making basketball decisions coaching the team or anything was sort of a weird thing always and that he yeah. he maybe did so maybe this is a concerted effort for him not to be as public as he was like cuz he he hasn't been certainly, really the certainly so a concerted yeah. effort for something yeah it's, it's a, it was a very stark difference i think colangelo is now the guy that i don't know cuz so did you listen to uh, Zach Lowe yesterday with Kevin Arnovitz. So a bunch of people tweeted at me to listen yeah. for. I listened to the whole friggin' thing, which was all about Paul George, just to get the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the just to get to that. Yeah, the the two minutes of Sixers talk, which basically they suggested Arnovitz, Windhorst, and Lowe all to different, I, I guess, extents. And I apologize if I'm misassigning who really said it, but that there is some discord amongst the the front office at the Sixers in what to do and how to do it yeah in terms of the decision making apparatus right and i guess what i would say is there's only two different ways that can happen way number if if we're assuming that that this this doesn't mean ned cohen which i think is is i i think is maybe not i would say like ned cohen like eversley those the people that are like quite clearly under colangelo yeah are not part of this yeah, I would say, yeah. So you would think it's one way or the other. It is either um, – because Brian Colangelo should have full call on all this stuff. The only person he should yeah. he should have to run this by is ownership. That's it. Every general manager has to run their trades by ownership. Every owner can can veto something always. So, so you could say it's either Colangelo and ownership or, mm-hmm. or a guy who has been known to involve himself – in these sorts of decisions, and that is Scott, and whether that- the discord is between, and I would say it is fairly, um, I guess, fairly well known that there was a divide between the way Sam wanted to do things and the way Scott wanted to do things, and that was a problem. And you wonder if, you know, the it's really weird. It must be uh, – I'm sorry. I started that wrong. There's a lot of attention now, way more attention than there used to be. And there's money on the line. And there's like – they have they had a re- – in January, the Sixers were the biggest thing in the city, which is something they have not experienced in nearly two decades. And you just sort of wonder whether that – we've talked about this on the podcast before – whether that got too much into the decision-making. Like maybe Brian Colangelo wanted – to like maybe this Noel thing was a problem to get rid of. Maybe he just want maybe he wanted him gone a month ago and they wouldn't let him do it because they were afraid of the reaction. Like who knows what happened? Um, and they actually even suggested on the Zach Lowe podcast that they had a deal on Wednesday that fell apart. So yeah, yeah. Uh, that, once it's taken to ownership, that is like it's locked up. 
That's that's a. I'm very curious to hear that. I'm trying to. I'm gonna try to like press Arnovitz for it until he tells me everything he knows. Well, and um, and and I will say that it is pretty known that on the. <laughs> oh boy, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to say is known or not known, or I don't know what's public knowledge or not public knowledge. But when I know, they, I, I always I always forget. I yeah, right. I so so it is my belief that when Sam was on the phone with ownership about the MCW trade, the other person on the phone with ownership during the MCW trade was Scott O'Neill, and Scott O'Neill, to to from what I understand, was very much against it. And and then that was sort of the um, the debate there. So and this is why and this is why you don't have like a marketing guy in any sort of decision making role. It's why there's the other the polar opposite is why you don't have a coach in this in the, as a GM because it now like Stan Van Gundy has to go coach Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson who they who know that they shopped his ass. So like there's two sides of it. He shouldn't be involved. It should be the, the the GM and president should have autonomy just to go to the owner. It shouldn't be. I don't understand. I don't understand well, how how this continues to happen in organizations and like after we've seen so many people do it wrong. Well, and like half the league is still run like with with some like weird decision maker in the corner that like fucks things up. Well, and and I'll say I don't know that that's what th- what happened here. We don't know that that's what happened here at all, at all. But I w- and, and but it has happened in the past over the past few years. Like there there was at least some. Well, yeah, I even think Adam Aaron was involved, by the way. And and that is again, I don't fault. I don't ever fault. Look, imagine you're the CEO, right? You, Mike Mike Levin, is the CEO, and this was I am. and yeah, right, and this was happening around you. It would be really difficult for you. If, if your opinion was being taken seriously to not give your opinion, that's that's on the person like uh, that's on the king. Right. I mean, that's on the person up top. That's on the owner to say certainly the owner should say should should go to the the head marketing person and say, all right, so and so wants to do this trade. I want to know what the reaction is going to be before we do it. Because as a business, you should know what the reaction is going to be because you should know how yeah. you're going to handle it, right? Now, that, that shouldn't – and even that person, that marketing person, thinking from a purely marketing perspective could go, Oof, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. And it is up to the owner to say we kn- – it all falls on the owner. And it, yeah. you know, And it all falls on making the best basketball decision – for the team, for the organization, but that all falls on the owner. And it seems to me that throughout the ownership here, they have had a hard time allowing one person to make those calls, right? Having having a power structure that makes sense. And that goes all the way back to Doug and Tony and Rod Thorne. Yeah. Uh, you know, that sort of, and it's always sort of been that way. And the only time that it's only really been one guy making those decisions is the very short time that Hinky was able to do that. So... Um, can I, can I suggest this alternate reality theory to you or, or do you want to go through BC's press conference and the Simmons thing first? I don't want to do anything. (laughs) Okay. Let's say we agree. Let's take the optics as it were out of, out of any of this, whether it matters what they said, right? Only matters what they did for, for argument's sake. And let's say that we agree that Brian Colangelo should have traded one of the two bigs in the summer. He didn't do it. We end up here. And let's say also, as we know, that that agents run the NBA, 
basically run the NBA. As you can see, there is an agent, and I thought this like it's a, a cool hire. I actually thought the the uh, the Rob Palenka hire because if anyone's, we think our GM is supposed to be able to like shake hands with other agents and have like great relationships with players. Who better than like Rob Palenka to have great relationships with players? But whatever. Sure. I mean, the fact that they did it two days before the deadline, even though they actually had a nice deadline, just trading yeah. Lou for a first is fine. Yeah. But so I mean, just. Uh, indicative of the of a Lakers organization. Right. Anyway, again. Yeah. So, okay. So we're here. And let's say the agent for Nerlens Noel says, I am, look, there is no chance that this guy is playing for you guys next year. And if you want to match an offer and have a miserable player, then go ahead. But we saw what happened with Eric Gordon in New Orleans. It doesn't work out well. We're not joking around. We want fucking out of here. And not only do we want out of here at the end of the year, but like you have got to either get rid of Okafor, get rid of no like we need to play more. I don't I'm not playing this game anymore. Make it happen. And, I'm sure I'm sure something like that has happened just before you get there. I'm right. sure something like that happened. I don't think that Nerlens is mis- was miserable here anymore. I think he was very happy with how things were backing up Embiid, maybe playing with Embiid for some of the time and then playing a ton of minutes when Embiid is out, which is at this this season so far. Usually, he's usually not playing. So, I I I, I reject the narrative that Nerlens like wouldn't have signed here to to play all this minutes without Embiid and with him and not all this stuff. So I, I reject that. But go on with your metaphor. I, but I do think it's possible. I, I don't maybe maybe but maybe he was putting on a good face in 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 order to get traded, given that some of the some of the issues we've heard is Nerlens Noel attitude stuff, especially stuff sure. at the beginning of the year. And let's also say that um, that Brian Colangelo thinks, well, look, neither one of these guys is getting me much back, right? Um, one guy at the end of the year, and I also don't want to go into the draft without a sort of miniature chip that I might need to go up one spot in the draft. Or like which guy going into the draft is going to be more helpful for me to make a trade or, or to be in a better position? Because Nerlens. Yeah. Probably not that valuable at in in that you know you know signing and trading or whatever. So maybe the reason that he does this is that he is forced to trade Nerlens, and maybe his agent did not give a fuck whether he had good bargaining position or or at all, and told everyone uh, of he is not going back. Like you, you, trade what you want. We're sick of dealing with this here. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe Brian Colangelo decides, look, I, I'm not giving away both guys. And going into the trade deadline or going into the draft, having to trade something I don't want to trade to go up one spot to get a guy I want. I don't want to be in the position that the Magic were in two years ago where they had to trade an extra first-round pick to get Alfred Payton because they were scared. I'd rather have Julie Lokafer to do that, and maybe he can help me do that. Is this like yeah. a realistic possibility? And if so, are we um, – You know, I, I'm, I, I would have just spent the money on New Orleans. Personally, I would have because I'm not confident enough in Embiid's health. Yeah, but like, if if the reality is that Nerlens doesn't want to be here, I think this chain reaction is possible. I guess. Yeah, I think th- I think that's possible. I look. I think at the end of the day, they looked at him as an expiring contract. Right. That and that's how they traded him. They traded him like, however, all all the other few expirings were traded. On the deadline, they said, "This guy's expiring. He's not happy. We have too many big men. 
at least we have more time with Jaleel to the the word is like rehab his value, but like it's not going to happen. It just it, it, more time to like make a decision. He's not going to get his value is not going to get higher. The further you get away from him being the third overall pick, the for, the more his value goes down. But with Nerlens, there was really, really a clock. This is the last time you can trade him without signing him. And I think that they were just like, it's not going to happen. We're, we think Dallas, and really only Dallas. Who else? They were talking about this on the podcast. Who else would have given Nerlens a ton of money this offseason? Well, I, I can't think, think of it. I think that the, if the Nets are out there to cause trouble, yeah, I think the, the Nets. Nets could do sure. it. Right? You yeah, know? yeah, that's true. But so... One of those, but it only takes one, right? So it doesn't mean it doesn't matter if the restricted free agent market is one team, and then the other team and the Sixers own their rights. That the the free the the Mavs or the Nets or whoever could just be like, here's all the money, and then that's it. Like it doesn't. There's no bidding war really because it's just one sign, and then the Sixers have to make a decision or not. Um. So, I I guess I go back a little bit on the on the market stuff from before. I think it's still like it's still a little nonsense to say look how no value there was, but we can't sign him this offseason. I think at the end of the day they just didn't want to sign him. I think right. I think maybe they got in their heads about the backup or about the personality or they don't think he's that good. I know some people in the organization just don't think he's as good as he actually is. They're wrong, but that's fine. Um it's it's sad because he was like the original guy, but I th- I think if you look at it like an expiring contract from a from a previous regime, they moved him for uh, Justin Anderson, who could be who could be an OK three and D wing off the bench, and then um, a, a fake first round pick. So I I'm still mad about it. I'm still mad about everything how it was handled. But in terms of like the deal itself, the like the what they were thinking, it, it, I at least can see it now. I don't agree with it, but I can see it, and it's like uh, that sucks. But that's where we are. It just sucks that it's what came what it came down to. I think you can, you know, much like the people who are critical of Sam could say, yes, we can go through every deal and every move <clears throat> and justify it, but overall, it was too much. I think like. I, we can go into the minutia of this Nerlens deal and say, and justify it, but but going back to when they took over, because really Jerry Colangelo took over last year, the middle of last year. So so they, he had his hands over all over figuring out what to do about this since last year. This was out of Sam's hands. By mm-hmm. I, I forget when the when the Jerry Colangelo thing happened, but it was like it was like January, right, or something like that. It was the middle of the season, so. Because uh, Sam Sam resigned in it was March. Dece- I, think, I think it was December. Yeah. So so this this has been on them. It has been on the Colangelo family to fix this, and they didn't fix it. And on its whole, individually, you could make excuses for it, but on its whole, it seems like um, it was a, a a huge error. It seems like, and Nerlens will be great on Dallas. So he he really will be great on Dallas, and I'm very happy for him. Um, what if they never took Julia Logofer? What if, you know, Hazonia, Stanley Johnson, Justice Winslow, obviously Porzingis, 
But like, how much easier would it have been? Embiid would have missed that year. It would have been Nerlens at the five, and whoever at the two. And then Embiid comes back, and there everybody's happy. And man, we knew right then at the Okafor when the Okafor pick happened. If you go back to listen to that podcast, it was easily. I think that podcast might have been more sad than the. Uh, the Hinky Firing podcast. Well, mostly because I mean, for me, because the chicken dip. Um, yeah, the chi- yeah. <laughs> the bondage, the chicken dip really sent us down a barrel that we never got out of. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think yeah, because the Hinky stuff we were, I think, more mad at. This is just like sad and like confused. It was like it was like the fatal flaw, the the biggest mistake, and the thing that sent everything down. And I, Bauman tweeted this. Um. Because it is hard to say ownership made Hinky not take Porzingis. Yeah, it's like, yeah. who knows? Who knows? It's hard to say. And I feel gross about saying it. If it's true, then like, whatever. There's all that. There are always that kind of stuff in, in hindsight. But I think, and this is what Bauman said, it's more likely that Hinky just thought the Knicks really wanted him or yeah. somebody behind them wanted him yeah, they- and thought he could, he could Alfred Payton them into getting more value, got a little cocky. And he did. got a lot cocky. Yeah. And it didn't work out. Yep. And uh, that sucks. <laughs> it just yeah. sucks. Well, the, the, shame sucks. Of it, the, the shame of it is you should be able to survive a, even a bad top three pick. GM survived that. It was all the other shit that came along with it that made it worse. The, the, yes. the and fighting. If, and if they weren't the same, it really is if they weren't all the same position. I think, yeah. I think that gave just the media, local and national like ammo to just be like what are they doing they're just clearly trying to lose on purpose like even though they could have flipped you know who knows they could have flipped Oka for for whoever some two guard at the whenever they didn't quick enough and it just never felt it just it was just more ammo to, to like hammer them and then that's when the nba had to step in and it's all god can if i if i Look, there's been a lot of bad stuff that's happened in the world over the past few millennia. But if I had a time machine, I'd go right, right there. <laughs> I'd, stop, I'd stop that pick. Questionable, yeah. the, questionable decision, but I respect it. No, nope, I would All do right, it. Let, let's, uh, let's talk about our sponsor and then call the doctor because I don't want to be late. Um, yeah. Uh, so our sponsor, of course, L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, the official sponsor of the Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast. L.L. was probably going apeshit last night while Rashawn Holmes was dunking on fools and uh, and blocking everyone in sight. L.L. has helped 30 Writes to Ricky Sanchez listeners to happy engagement rings and I don't know, 25 or so engagements so far. I don't know if everyone has gotten engaged so far. We always get thrilled overjoyed emails of compliments for how everyone is treated when they walk into LL's, <coughs> excuse me, awesome low pressure store on Walnut Street. Beautiful store. Uh, a, <coughs> excuse me, this has happened to me before. Do you think he's, do you think he like stands behind the customers as they send a nice email to us about him? <laughs> and he's and like, he's like, say it nice. Talk about the mini, whatever, what is it? Mini burgers? Mini, mini cheese steaks. Steaks. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, but we trust him with, uh, we trust him with everything. He's the greatest guy and we're proud to have him as our sponsor. And if you need an engagement ring or any other sort of jewelry, uh, I would like you to go see LL. If you do need the engagement ring, make a appointment first, call the store 
at 215-627-2252. Send him an email. Go to llpavorsky.com and send him an email or just tweet him at llpavorsky. And for every podcast as sponsor of the uh, the Ricky, LL makes generous donations to the Alzheimer's Association of the Delaware Valley and the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Never two seconds. Always a real first. Yeah, love it. Very good one. All right, let's call the uh, the doctor here. It never works when I try to do it uh, while we're here, and it probably oh oh. Let's give it a try. I don't hear ringing. No, I don't hear ringing either. Oh, hello, yo, doc. Hey, hey, hey! What it is? Uh, it is Spike and Mike and the uh, Right to Ricky Sanchez podcast, Doctor. Now, the way you, I've never seen someone sp- uh, describe how to say their name as in, in intricate detail as you did. So, uh, Doctor uh, Doctor Mark Legere, right? I got it right. You nailed it. There we go. Very happy uh, to talk. So you're you're on. You're with us. Are you ready to go? Yes, sir. Let's fire it up. Okay, so uh, so obviously we want to talk to you about Embiid, and we want to talk to you about Simmons. Now, just quickly in like in your special specialization, you do athletes and like soft tissue injury and prevention and stuff like that. So, like, what is I guess the um, the crux of what you do and how you do it? Well, so most people who have injuries are non-traumatic, right? So meaning like someone doesn't roll on to their ankle, right? So in the case of someone like, um, uh, like Embiid, right, he came down and it wasn't like someone ran into him. It was the force or the trauma that happened to him. You have, you develop some type of soft tissue injury and that's the kind of patient that I typically work with. So throwing athletes, jumping athletes, anyone who does the same motion over and over and over again and ultimately develops some type of injury somewhere in the body. All right. So let's start with Mike. You want to start with Embiid or Simmons? What do you want to do? I want to start with the medical staff. I want to go okay. right to the heart of it. Okay, go ahead. All so, right, so the, what do you got? So the Sixers have had a number of prolonged, sometimes chronic, sometimes it looks worse than it we originally thought injuries over the past couple years, Okafor's meniscus, Bayless's wrist. Uh, I guess New Orleans healed okay. But Embiid and Simmons. So, like, at, at what point is it, should we be concerned that the medical staff is either bad or they are rushing things, which doesn't seem to jive with what they do, or or is it just, is it, does this shit just happen? I mean, that's a great question. I know the, the medical staff of, of the Sixers. I know the uh, surgeons who have done their surgeries. I know Marty O'Malley from HSS, John Glashow, who's kind of like their, their top-level medical guy, kind of oversees all the medical processes. And I know a lot of the Rothman guys, so, because a lot of the patients that I see over time, I do get to them, and I have the highest respect for them. So you know, when you talk at that really high level of the medical field, Really, these guys are the ones who are going to be the diagnosers. They're going to be the ones who are going to do different tests to see if they can induce pain, rule out pain, interpret imaging, and then ultimately, in some of the surgical cases, actually perform the surgeries. The key or where those doctors really shine is their ability to, to diagnose the injury and then get them into the right hands. 
right? The right hands could either be doing the surgeries, like in, like again, Marty O'Malley's case with the, uh, with the fracture for Simmons, or it could be getting them in, in house with their therapists and their strength and conditioning team to try to rehab the, the tissue. So, you know, once, once the diagnosis is performed and then once the, surgery, if it is a surgical type of injury begins, they're kind of supervising and looking more at like the imaging. They're taking a look at the actual surgery and just kind of seeing like, yeah, is the bone healing from what they're seeing in the x-ray? You know, in the case of someone like Simmons, what they're really going to do is on a weekly basis, shoot an x-ray just to make sure they're seeing that it's healing the way it's healing. And that's in, in that evaluation, it's pretty black and white, right? It's either the bone is growing. It's starting to bind the two different sides of the fracture. And that's, that is what it is. Uh, but when it comes to something that's non-surgical, really the, the shift of it goes away from medical staff, meaning like the surgeons, uh, like Chris Dodson, who's on their staff. Uh, and it starts to go into both rehab specialty and genetics, really. So you're looking at how well does that person's body recover from different injuries and that you can't determine. You can't speed it up, you can't slow it down. Um, you look at some athletes just across the board in, in any sport, you have these guys who are like the marathon men who go through their whole career get and, and, and don't have any significant injuries and then you do run into the people who seem to be more chronic, seem to have more injuries or more injury prone, kind of no matter what they do, no matter how hard they train, no matter how complicated or how advanced the rehab processes are. So you can't, you can't fight nature in those regards. But as far as the, the ability to diagnose and to treat um, and the staff that I, that I know or I've come across in my time, it is top-notch. It is the best in the business. Well, the, then so so, this, oh, so it, just, it just happens, though. So, some, so I shouldn't be mad. It should, it should just sometimes shit just happens and you can't, and you can't help it. Because so far – and I don't, I don't know anybody over there, so I'm not trying to throw any shade or whatever. But the uh, the Aspatar Institute in Doha is batting a higher percentage than the Sixers training staff right now in terms of making it work. So I, it just seems it seems like it happens more to the Sixers. You hear about like the Phoenix Suns training staff and how good it is and whatever over the past whatever decade, uh, and it just mm -hmm. seems like it, over the last few years, it the Sixers haven't gotten it right. I know nothing, but. That's just my interpretation being close to it. Right. And, and, I, and I totally get what you're saying. And again, a lot of it comes down to is like, um, you know, the, the genetics of the person having the injuries. And that sometimes comes down to almost like a coin toss. Like you can look yeah. at the guy, you can do all the screenings. I mean, I know that as I know, I've heard you guys talk in the past just about like, you know, when you when you do take a look at someone for evaluation, right, you evaluate them for talent and that falls on the coach's staff. But then you also look at them, the medical staff. I mean, these guys get tons and tons and tons of records. They're getting basically every image that's ever been performed. These guys' lives are not just with professional athletes, but they see countless people every day. I mean, this is, this is something that is either, is again, very clear when you have this experience. But when you run into the problems of is the, is the, the question marks is, literally after a surgery, for instance, how much does the body scar down? Or mm -hmm. you look at inflammation in the body, how inflamed does the guy get? Um, and, and big things like that are things that are out of your control that 
sometimes it can look like it's all kind of bad luck, but I mean, from what I've seen, from what I've read, I mean, these guys are top notch. It's sort of like a, it's like a tough luck kind of a thing in regards of like the medical staff and the results that they're getting injuries, different story though. Well, so, uh, and before we get into Simmons, I guess, I think part of the thing that we struggle with is we don't really ever have all of the information. So when you think about, we, I was at the game last night and we were talking about Jaleel Okafor. We were, we were, uh, talking afterwards. Jaleel Okafor is still on some sort of like minutes restriction. He had meniscus surgery a year ago. A year ago. And mm-hmm. everyone said that like this was an injury, like this was a recovery that was a, at most, you know, a two month recovery. So he didn't play during the preseason and he, he didn't play in the beginning of the season and he's still sitting. And, but we don't know how much of that is really um, actually his knee and how much of it is what else is happening like non-surgically and or non non-medically, and I think part of it, part of the problem for us as fans and uh, and even the general media is not really getting and this is right, wrong, or indifferent, not really getting the full story of what's going on in it. So we're not really able to make a uh, make a judgment on what what is actually going on. Oh sure, I mean you know I'm a I am a fan too, right? I'm I've I've been a part of the our consultant for the Phillies in in the past, and you know I I know that there is it's um I don't want to say it's a game because you can't be dishonest about what's actually going on with them, but you know from the team's perspective, it, it's a fine line of sharing enough information with the fans so they know what's going on versus oversharing and tipping your hat to the other team or oversharing with what's going on because you don't know yet. You know, in some cases of some injuries, it could be a variety of different things that caused it or things that could slow it down. And the last thing you want to do is like, it's sort of like the model of like, you order a pizza, right? If you order a pizza and they say, we'll be there in 30 minutes and they show up in 35, you're pissed. But if they say 30 minutes and you show up in 20, you look, you look great. Uh, so it, it's one of these things that you never want to overpromise. And again, there's always extenuating circumstances like, do we want to put this guy in for, for more minutes where we could risk something where at the moment, yeah, it, it could jeopardize them in the future. And at the moment, is it worth pushing? Is it worth jeopardizing something that in the immediate time isn't going to pay off? Maybe we pick up a game or two here, but in the long run, if we really push this, re, this, uh, the recovery back or the injury back, are we setting ourselves up for some detriment in the future and it's like a leap of faith sometimes for the fans of just saying, look, I gotta, I have to trust. I have to understand that these guys ultimately want to win. And the win is, might not be the game tonight, but it could be a championship in a year or two. And we got to get the right team to be healthy to go into these games because all sports are a game of attrition. You look at the, team, the teams that ultimately really make it far in most sports and you look at it and it's really – whose team can be the healthiest through the season and going into the playoffs and ultimately into the championships. So Ben Simmons had surgery on his Jones fracture on October 4th or October 3rd. And yesterday we were told yesterday being February 24th or whatever, February 24th, that they're going to shut him down for the rest of the year because on the last CAT scan they had, which was Thursday, it didn't show as much healing as they had liked. So I guess my first question is, it, for, for a surgery that, that they said, you know, typically the recovery is a, a few months, is it 
is it w- troublesome or disconcerting at all that on February 23rd that his foot is not healed? Well, for for the Jones fracture, I think that maybe just a little bit of a of a kind of a not to get too medically, but to to kind of look at that type of a fracture, the fracture of the fifth toe in the foot, right? Um, there's three different areas really in that foot that can be fractured. Um, zones one, which is kind of closest to the heel, and then zone three, closest to the toes themselves, have usually a good blood supply, usually pretty good recovery, no big deal. Zone two, where that is, is is called the Jones fracture. So it's in this middle section. And the tricky thing about Jones fractures is, is blood supply. Now the, it's a, it's a common, a relatively common injury. It typically will come from some type of like rolling. Um, like you, you kind of step on someone's foot and it rolls over or something, someone has trauma to the area. But um, if you, if you don't get proper blood supply to that area, which nobody, no matter who they are, really has a good blood supply to that area the recovery is typically pretty slow. Um, now you, you monitor it. And, you, and again, this kind of comes back to the genetics thing, right? The, the, the thing, when you take a look at like a Jones fracture, what you're really looking to try to do is, is to take the pressure off of it. Initially, uh, you're trying to just like try to increase blood supply, blood flow. You can do, you can do what's called a bone stimulator, which again, I'm not on their staff, so I don't know if they're doing it. But basically, that tries, it sends like a weak kind of like an electric signal to the bone to help rec- speed up recovery. But ultimately, it comes down to blood supply and the body kind of growing bone around either a screw that's put in or some type of bone graft, which a bone graft is basically they take part of your own bone and kind of grind it up. And it's almost like spackle around that joint that eventually grows hard and binds the two section of that, sections of that fracture. Um, but it's not uncommon for people to, to have fractures there and takes a long time. And, you know, Julio Jones is a, is a key person to kind of reference. He had the same fracture and they actually had to go in twice for his to basically go in and try to fix or try to speed up recovery um, with a second procedure into that into the same area. Uh, but, you know, Kevin Durant had the same type of an issue. And it's all, unfortunately, a blood supply thing. And you can't artificially drive blood into a fracture site. It, it just takes the time that it takes. But normal recovery time for something with a Jones fracture, you're looking at about six to eight weeks on average. But that's average. And so it's, it certainly can take a little bit longer than that. But if you rush them back again, you're looking at the chance of refracture. And unless you're looking at trying to make a real big playoff run this year, or you're looking to do something, you know, at, you know, in a short period of time, it's sort of like air on the side of caution. Don't risk your future for a handful of games that, that is almost, I don't want to say worthless, but it's, it's rushed and bigger picture kind of a thing. It does seem weird that yeah. he was practicing five on O on January 10th and then something and then he stopped. I guess that's the only if they were being cautious and I'm not asking you to condemn what they and you said at a certain point it's on the training staff. But I guess if we're being cautious, why is he playing basketball um, a month and a half ago and 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 his, well, his foot isn't healed? Well, it could be, though, that they looked at it and everything looked like it was on its way. I mean, the fracture site could have looked like it was healing. Um, You know, you look at it, you look at, you know, it's, they say x-rays is not a 
you can't be exact with x-rays, right? It's like you look for cloudiness, right? The more cloudy it is means the more bone that's actually there. And they could have taken a look that week and, and said, you know, how are you feeling? He says, actually, I feel good. And again, this is all guessing. I wasn't there. But he, if he says he feels good, if they do the proper tests and find out that he's strong, they do the x-ray and find out, yeah, it looks like everything is healing. The only thing you can do is to try to say, right, well, let's kind of do something like let's start to incorporate some type of work. Let's start to try to test the area and see how does it hold up. And who knows what was going on around those meetings. But if all those things kind of check out, then there's no reason why you wouldn't put them back. But if he goes back and starts to play and is like, yeah, it didn't feel so good or I'm not too sure, I felt uneven, as the medical staff, I'm, I would think that I would say, well, heck, why are we pushing this thing? Let's give it a chance. Let's maybe do some more in-depth imaging. Let's maybe shoot another x-ray. Let's look at something like an MRI to really to see deep down what's going on to see is are we putting our investment, are we putting our future at risk by getting them back too soon? Uh, Mike, mm. I was going to move on to Embiid unless you have another Simmons thing. No? I mostly just want to ask how mad I should be. But <laughs> we'll, we'll just, 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 address, just address that like in within your other questions. <laughs> sort of like touch on it here. Yeah, no, no, that is the underlying. Okay, so Embiid gets what we're told is a bone bruise. We find out that there's a minor meniscus tear. Nobody seems to think that that is that big a deal that you could do MRIs on 100 NBA players and half of them would have minor meniscus tears. It seems strange mm-hmm. that he... He seems to be pra- – we're told that he practices full on and his knee continues to swell from this bone bruise. Wouldn't at a certain point the, – the, wouldn't the recipe for him to be to, to just – if he keeps swelling up and they're saying it's due to this bone bruise, wouldn't, wouldn't the, the recipe to me in, in my unmedical head would be, well, stop playing basketball for a while. Like shut it down for a month. Don't do anything um, and let that area heal as quickly as you can. And it doesn't seem like that's what, what, what they're doing. Yeah, I mean that's – I would kind of, again, err on the side of caution as well. Um, you know, bone bruises, there's, there's a couple of different, again, ways or different types of bone bruises. And they all kind of have different little ways of, of injuring, right? Some are like trauma. Um, some are um, more like deep in the bone. And some are below um, the cartilage that lines the bone. And again, I don't have the medical records, but it seems to me that it's probably what's called a subchondral type of joint issue. Um, it, it seemed like in when I saw him go down that one time, there was some twisting in the knee, and the subchondral is the type that typically occurs in that area. So it's, it's more of weight coming down on the joint and a type of a twisting in the area. Um, and, and kind of to the meniscus itself, you're right that you know, there's so many people have they have meniscus air, um, meniscus injuries. Um, it's it's something that, um, as far as severity of most injuries, it's the kind that is not always surgical, and the rehab is typically pretty pretty fast. I mean, obviously, there's little differences from one to the next, but you know, for the most part, you're looking at. Um, you know, a couple of weeks, but on average, they really say it could go as long as one to two months. Um, you know, on the sooner side, I've seen about three weeks from the time that they have an injury to the time that they're actually back playing. But for the most part, you're looking at like one to two months. 
um, until the thing is, is, is really good. Um, you know, the meniscus is sort of like a little cushion that is in the knee. So it, you got to figure it's like, he's a big dude and he's coming down pretty hard on that area. He's coming down pretty hard on the knee. And if there's any type of like instability in there where twisting might be continuing in that area, you're just going to challenge those tissues and you could get swelling just in general from the knee. I don't see a lot of swelling that occurs from bone bruises. I've talked to um, several uh, physical therapists about that. Um, You know, bone bruising is, kind of it is what it is it's it's like a bruise that you have on your arm you can have bruising on the skin again there's those three types but it's basically trauma to the bone that's underneath it um but it's it's uh it's something that without having the imaging without having touched the knee or, or getting really down into it it's hard to determine whether or not uh you know it's 100 percent the meniscus it's 100 percent the bone bruise or some type of combination of the two um, you know, if the knee is unstable to begin with, you're just going to be putting more pressure on the knee joint and you're going to get more swelling. But again, it, to me, it goes back to it's an, it's an investment. And I would say the medical staff, they're getting their direction from somewhere, whether it be from, you know, clinical research that's seen. It could be from Embiid himself. But either way, you got to look at what's actually going on into the area and, deal with the symptoms as they present themselves. Uh, you address the symptoms through different types of rehab, through different types of um, uh, protocols, physical therapy protocols, different types of strengthening. You can help with stuff like supplementation or diet or whatever, but you got to address the symptoms. And if, if, the, if the person who has them, right, if, if indeed saying, like, yeah, I feel strong, I'm not having any swelling, and the tests come back that everything looks good, you can try it, but if he goes out and plays and they're swelling, well, then maybe that's, maybe it wasn't quite where we thought it was. Got to reboot and and try again. Uh, so scale of one to ten, with ten being the most mad and one being the least mad, <laughs> you would say. <laughs> <laughs> I per I well, that's a tough one. I, I as a fan and kind of it's a tough one for me because I do know I do know the medical side of right, things right. and. I, going into the season, I wasn't going in and thinking, like, we're, we're winning this whole thing. I was optimistic when we started making our run. Uh, but I would say just knowing how big these guys are and, and how these injuries, as much as they're delaying things, aren't career-threatening types of injuries. You know, bone bruise, it, it really the chances of that turning into something more significant um, is very low. Jones fractures, for the most part, in time all heal well, whether it be the first time around or the second time around. I'm optimistic for, for call it, year two. So this year I'd say anger level, I'm down. I'm probably, or frustration level, I'm at like a three. Uh, I just enjoy watching them play. And uh, I just, I know, I know, but I just want to see them go because, (laughs) I mean, you look at any sport, you look at any sport though, right? You look at any of them and sometimes there's seasons where your guys are just constantly falling apart. And doctor, it's been four seasons of everyone falling apart. It's just, it's enough already. That's all. I know. I know. But there's sometimes it's like, you can do all the homework that you want. You can prepare yourself for it as much as you want, but there's those inevitables or those, those, uh, those, those things you can't, you can't plan for. I mean, obviously I'd like them to be contenders every year, but there is a, I, I kind of fell in more of the, uh, the camp of like, let's do this the right way. I don't mind losing for, for a little bit, 
with the idea that there's a goal and the goal is, is this isn't going to be forever, but let's build a team for the long, long term. And, you know, teams like in, uh, in other sports, like uh, you look at the Cardinals, you look at the Giants, the perennial contenders, because they get a good farm system. They have good teams. They're building for it and they might not win every year. There are extenuating circumstances where they go, but if, if I want them good for the next 10 years, I kind of have to weather the storm um, let the team do what they need to do and know that they want to win just as much as we do um, and uh, and kind of just enjoy what it is for what it is. All right. So if people want to uh, want to get you uh, as a uh, as their doctor, can they do that? And how do they do it? Yeah, sure. I have I have a website. It's uh, Patch, P-A-T. Whoa, did I lose him? I have offices. Oh, what's that? Sorry. We lost you for a second. What's the the site again? Oh, it's it's patch p a t c h health solutions dot com. I have offices in Morristown, New Jersey, Center City, Newtown Square, and Exton, and and we're kind of growing. So, um, you know, I I'm, I see tons of these different types of injuries, and if I can ever answer any questions for you or any uh, any of the listeners out there, just uh, shoot me an email. My contact info is on the site, and we'll take it from there. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, doctor. All right, well, all right, be well, guys. Take it easy. Yeah. How about that guy telling us to have measured takes? <laughs> we got to have the longest view in the room. Doctor Leger wants us to have the longest view in the room. We we can't worry as about if, this year. <laughs> as if as if we need to be told to be patient. Yeah. <laughs> we, we invented patience. This has really come through. Some guy tweeted me last night. I, I, I tweeted something about Okafor not having any rebounds or something. And uh, he responded to me, why are you trying to divide the fan base? And I was like, buddy, yeah. if it wasn't oh, – yeah, like, like come on. Yeah. So oh, uh, you watched – People just say shit. Do you watch, a game, do you watch a game last night? Uh, yeah, I did. It was pretty I, – I think I decided um, – I did. Game. I did decide I want them to win all of the games now. Like if this was a um an effort to to tank, uh I kind of want them to win all the games. I think that's funny. I thought it was funny that they won last night. Uh yeah, I mean they played well. Yeah. Guys just guys just like we're up having fun. Rashawn in this first game with a new role is having a good time. I mean I, this this is uh, I don't know I'm not ready to like be excited although like Dario, Dario being like a really good player yeah I don't think we've talked enough about how good he's been the last month or two well how about how about the team being led by Dario and Robert Covington last night like how about them I mean, them both having 2010 games unreal. yeah it's awesome uh, and and Holmes it's funny like the the uh, Holmes playing well gives all of the uh, the anti Nerlinsers like a an avenue to say, look, we didn't need him. And and I guess my it, the point is like, no, look what happens when you have a guy like him there, I yeah. guess is, is sort of the point. So. Yeah, and hopefully Rashawn gets better. I mean, like yeah. I like Rashawn. He's, I, I like how he's he's stronger than Nerlens is and his body could fill out more. And if he could – he just needs to box out. God, on, D, yeah. on the defensive end, he just doesn't box out going for rebounds. Um, but the shot could be something. And he's, I think he's almost as athletic, at least just going up, not as, not laterally, but right. north south. He's, he's pretty athletic. So 
Um, give him time. Let him let him do it. Maybe he maybe he can be that guy. But Jaleel just can't. He's just his value is just going to keep getting lower. And uh, I'm excited to see Justin Anderson. I mean, there's good. It's it's not bad. I'm just I'm just upset. Well, I'm just I, upset about it all. We, we didn't talk about his, we didn't talk about his press conference enough. Can we? Can we I know you have to leave in a second. No, can no, we, no. We we can give it a solid seven minutes. Is that good? Can we do seven minutes yeah, yeah. on the press? Conference? So my my favorite part about the press conference f- for me was. When he started it, if you go back and listen to it, you can hear it. He was breathing very. I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't watch. I couldn't watch. I couldn't okay. watch. I. I just read the quotes. Oh, okay. I like. Well, I mean, we had it on IP, so we were listening to. I was listening to it the whole time. So at the beginning of it, he, he was obviously breathing heavily, and I don't know. Maybe he rushed up there, but he sounded nervous as all get out to me when he started it. And then I think my favorite part in the press conference was. When he was about to say what they traded Nerlens for, you could almost hear the anticipation in the room and in his voice to see whether he was going to say first round pick or not. Like it was my favorite. The draft considerations moment was my favorite, like hilarious press conference moment of the year. Draft considerations. Yeah. It seems like we just we we bullied him into saying that. <laughs> and I don't know that it was him. It it. To be honest, that feels more like a Scott O'Neill thing, saying it was for a first round pick and doing and spinning it on the press release and stuff. I don't know how much Colangelo has his hands in, in what the press release goes out and what people say it as. So, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. This the idea of even negotiating it to be a top eighteen first round pick. What who who said like okay, eighteen's fine? There's no way. There's just no. There's a zero percent chance of that of that conveying. So why even say it? And it's and the only answer is to trick fans. Well, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. Well, I mean, if they give you the option of having it top 18 protected or just having it be two twos, I'll take the top 18 protected and say, I don't know, like, uh, well, then maybe. no, you if, if, yeah. if you guys are talking protections, then you you say like, no, playoffs, if you guys right, make the right, playoffs, right. we get the pick, right, right, then right. that that should be at least something or at least top 18 this year. So we're not going to get it this year. And then like it diminishes to a playoff next year, like it. It just—it was so poorly negotiated. It seemed like they were operating from such a position of weakness. I was yeah. just like, yeah, 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 two seconds, great. Twenty twenty, I love it. I'll, I'm, I'm Brian Colangelo. I'll for sure be here in twenty twenty. Like, yes, of course. Which, which is a honestly, if you think they're the only team that are that is interested in them, I would love to bully them and say that you know, well, we're gonna match. Like, you, you think you can sign them, but you can't sign them. But I guess that all goes back to whether. They knew. They've been just dealing in the media. Everyone knows. I mean, he just played this hand so poorly the whole time. I've I've gotten around to be like, okay, they thought he was an expiring contract. We got Justin Anderson a couple years of maybe seeing if this guy can turn into a legit three and D player. Sure, but the the whole situation was so mishandled. And I just think back to Brian Colangelo's first press conference. Collars up. Looking like he's the cockiest guy in the world. Like I, I know what I'm doing here. It's about relationships, and we're gonna they're changing the culture. And he's just been he's bungled every interaction with the press and with other teams and with the players. Sitting Julia Logafer, taking him out of the game, pulling him, taking him home. It's it's unbelievable how how he was marketed to be this this kind of stabilizing relationships business force. And he's been so bad at it. Aside from this trade, he's been much better at GMing, or at least not fucking up, than I give him credit for. But at least it would have been like, okay, at least he knows how to handle the stuff. He's been, this is his third team. No, he's been terrible. 
It's insane. It's insane. You had to try. You've you've had to try to bungle all of these situations at once, and they've done a great job of that. Yeah, I mean, he has. Oh wait, what about the what about the sorry? What about the uh, saying that the, there were more offers for Okafor? Well, that, ton of offers. Honestly, that it's, right. doesn't it seem sort of like that was not quite as bad as what Vladi said, in that he had a better deal two days ago. Well, no, but, but I think Vladi was honest. I think Colangelo is just lying. I don't think there were any offers for Jaleel. I think there was like almost zero offers for Jaleel. The right one didn't just didn't present itself. There were oh, there were better offers for Jaleel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People were offering a ton for him. Yeah. Everybody wants a back to the basket center that that can't play defense and can't run the court and like is clearly we operating from a position of no leverage whatsoever. Everybody. People want it left and right. Like, he's just lying. And it's like, GM's lie. Fine, whatever. But, like, he's lying in such a dumb way all the time. I was waiting Idiot. for this. Were, were you... I, I feel like you didn't get much sleep and you've just been ramping up, actually. I didn't get I didn't get much sleep. But I really did come around over the past day or two to be to be, like, fine with the... We were not going to match him no matter what. We we look him look at him as an as just a free agent that's going to walk. Let's get something for him. And I don't agree with that, but I've at least been like, okay, that's what they were thinking. But but in terms of timing and all the other stuff, and it's not just optics. It's not some of it is optics, and and I don't normally care about optics except for the hypocrisy of it all with what happened with Sam and what happened with Clangelo. Like it shows people that like they just didn't like Sam because he. Of the narrative, and because people people talked, and he didn't talk to the press as much, and they they were threatened by him because of the his understanding of like analytics and all this stuff, and and they called him out for all of these things, and now the Colangelo is doing those things. It's I'm sure they're also complaining about it, but it's not to the, it's not a witch hunt to the point that Sam's was, and like just a, like a caricature of the kind of of the kind of team that he's running in the organization and everything, and it's. It's just uh, I, I, logic and hypocrisy are will will kill me at some point, and the, the like how they're treating. I mean, I know that they're like you're there, so I'm not there. But I know it. It just doesn't seem that like media wide people are giving Colangelo as much like, oh, you think you're so smart, you're an idiot, as yeah. as they gave. Sam. Honestly, I think locally they are. I don't think nationally they are. I actually think there's a big, okay. big difference um, nationally than locally. And I think uh, nationally, I felt like there were more people that were critical of what Sam did uh, than are yeah. being critical of what Brian Colangelo is doing. I would say that locally, the media that I am surrounded by and even the fans like this trade deadline was universally panned. And the, the Nerlens thing was a a generally a what the fuck are you doing type moment um so i would say locally but my my the strange thing is like when you look at draft grades the guy who graded him the hardest was sharp (laughs) like like what a fucking world that like like andrew sharp gave him a d minus and i see a bunch of like i think arnovitz or pelton or one of those guys i'm sorry like and i I think pelton Pelton gave him a b minus um on it so because he he likes because he likes justin anderson which is great yeah sure it Uh, really is it really is you that's the thing is people like you can't grade you can't grade trades you can't grade the draft you don't know and everything but you can grade the process behind it and that was always the whole idea and there is no doubt in anyone's mind that Colangelo, from the moment he stepped 
into this job, he has screwed up everybody's value and hasn't done anything publicly or privately to like boost anything or be savvy or anything at all. It's so we're dealing with, you know, we traded this guy. That's 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 closest the book on it, but and and we're still going to be fine. Like the 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 stuff we have, by the way, he does he is calling players assets and like nobody's upset about it. It just fucking infuriates me. Uh, but we're going to be fine. Like we have enough we have enough in the tank to like still make huge moves and draft guy whatever it is. But it certainly doesn't give you faith that Colangelo is heady enough to orchestrate anything creative or clever or anything. It's going to be on the back of literally Embiid becoming a flat out healthy superstar Simmons and then whoever they get in this draft. And they're going to have to be good enough to where they can overcome Colangelo's instincts as a bad thinking he's savvy, but he isn't GM. So if we have time for one of two things, it'll be A, a jigsaw, or B, oh shit, what was the other thing I had? I Oscar had, predictions? Uh, no, I only saw two of the what? best, I only saw two of the best actor uh, nominees, or the best film nominees. I only saw Arrival and um, what else did I see? Um, I loved Arrival. I could watch Arrival every day. Um, it's a really good movie. Moon. La La Land's probably going to win, and it's a nice yeah. movie. And I didn't want—I didn't want to like it, but I, I really did. But yeah. Moonlight should win. It's an incredible film. You I, should watch. Actually, it's on Amazon Prime. You should watch Green Room. I think you'd love it. Okay, I'll watch Green Room. I saw. I will never see La La Land because I hate. Um, musicals. I, ju- I just hate. I hate movie musicals. I guess I could deal with Broadway. Um, wait, what are the what are the movies that were that were nominated? It was. Uh, it was La La Land. It was Arrival. It was Moonlight. I'm trying to. What was the other one I saw? Oh, I saw uh, the miserable one with uh, Casey Affleck. Um, outside. Wait, no, it wasn't Outside Providence. That was a funny movie. But it was Man- oh, Manchester, 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 Manchester. Manchester. Yeah. It was a good movie. Uh, then I guess we'll do a jigsaw. Uh, fuck. What was the other thing? It was jigsaw or. I guess it'll be a jigsaw. Hey, man. Right. Let's do a jigsaw. Okay, here we go. Play. I will play this game. Game play. I will play this game. I miss you. I will play this game. I- I'm worried. Play. I will play this game. And after the game, they were interviewing him, and they said, how does it feel to win the ultimate game? And he said, if it's the ultimate game, why are they playing it again next year? All right, this one was given to me by uh, by a guy who ran for the retweet Armageddon Congress and is a good dude and has a lot of good ideas. That is Will Tanzola. He's also the guy that got his students to say trust the process in Romania. Is that where he was teaching, I think? I, I, that sounds right. Okay, here are your two choices. You get to live one of these days every day for the rest of your life. Either the day that Sam resigned as president of basketball operations or (laughs) the day the process died february 23rd 2017 so so the trade deadline was a really bad day for i mean i just i i knew i did i did like all the work i had to do in like the prior days and like scheduled around it i was like 
Everybody around me knows, don't talk to me this day. I'm going to be on Twitter the entire day. I'm going to wake up early, catch up on Twitter, then get it live. It's going to be great. I'm going to be there the whole time. And when, and when you just devote a whole day to something, and then it just like sucks, that is really incredibly <laughs> disheartening. You look at your life and be like, what the fuck am I doing? Right. But, but the Sam stuff, if I recall... It happened at night. It happened at night. So yeah. I had a day to not think about. So I'd probably, I'd probably rather get gut-punched after like a decent day than like come to a show and get slowly stabbed in the stomach. Yeah, I I agree for a different reason. I would take the Sam day only because uh, there was something I didn't feel anything on on Thursday other than like um, like I was resigned to something shitty and I just it was just like sort of blah. I just sort of felt like, oh my god, this is gross. At least the Sam day, it gave me, I felt rage and disappointment. And I guess I knew what I felt like to be alive that day. On Thursday, it just felt like a shitty day at work, I guess. Um, so I would relive the Sam day, I think. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I uh, here's some here's some good news if you're looking for good. I went to the podiatrist yesterday for my sprained ankle, and yep. I'm healing great. Oh, there you go. So how about that? Maybe, maybe Sixers need to take some advice from me. Maybe figure it out. Figure it out, my, guys. My, cool. my my soft tissue is looking great. Yeah, how about, how about it? That? All right, I'm back on the court. I'm back on the court in three weeks. All right, I really got to go now. All right, uh, this has been the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast, proudly brought to you by L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, 707 Walnut in Philly, always at LLPavorsky.com. Oh, what's going to happen here? Are you down with TTP? Oh, that is the silence is deafening. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to discuss this on the next pod. Oh, the other thing I was going to discuss, the, the choice was, should I, should I bring up what I brought up on, on Retweet Armageddon Congress? Um, and was was basically shot down. But we'll I think you pretty much said it. You said it last uh, yeah. Thursday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I brought up that that uh, Lottery Party Day should be um, Retreat Armageddon Day, regardless. Uh, that got shot down, but it doesn't mean I, the, I, the I think it should be. I think it's like, hey, let's that that's what we're targeting, but we shouldn't indiscriminately be like that. I don't want right. to just settle into like, hey, t- this sucks, but we have to do this because I I think I'd rather not do a Richard Armageddon than do a bad one. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Um, all right. So you're not saying the thing. So, all right. So I'll talk to you next week. All right. All right see, see you, buddy. Just like a path to get to that